Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. And uh, today I've got some great stories to tell and some interesting uh, memories to share about the future. Yep. So we're down the beach. It's uh, my toe has started to improve with antibiotics and anti-inflammatories and anti-whatevers, and uh, it seems to be on, we're on the mend. So uh, no swimming today. It's been keen rain all night, so not so comfortable. Once there's leaves on the beach that have washed down through the gutters, I kind of like think I might just give it um, 48 hours to detox. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a story, funny story, probably not the story a guru usually tells people, but I'm going to tell you a story, share the story. So once upon a time, a long, long time ago, before Jesus was born, I used to uh, have a business that involved uh, uh, a lot of work in Asia. And in Asia at that time, one of the traditions was to go with people you're doing business with out to um, an evening dinner at a Bari sort of place. And these Bari sort of places were very um, sexually orientated, uh, if you can get my drift here. And uh, anyway, so the whole ugly process, which I'm now uh, rather ashamed that I indulged in, was to go to what they call the fish tank, which is a glass wall, look through the glass wall in a one-way mirror and see probably 30 or 40 very beautiful young women uh, who would become your escort for the night and um, sit beside you. Now, there was no sexual um, contract. What it was is their job was to make you enjoy your evening, uh, laugh and buy you another drink and drink more of your drink so that the bar and they got paid, um, firstly a fee for being there, but secondly, by the number of drinks that they served you or got you to drink, they got paid based on, on that. So, you know, it was a pretty good arrangement for them in a way. Uh, there was no abuse um, and they got dressed up in very fancy clothes and it was all good. So it was pretty high class. It wasn't a, a, a dirty dungy. Anyway, midway through this particular evening, this particular lady that I was sitting next to and who was pouring me drinks mentioned to the person who had organized the dinner in their own language that she would like to offer me a massage. And me being me at the time, as I said before Jesus was born, uh, was, was totally mid-dinner, thought, why not? So I did. And we left the table and we went away to a massage room. And in the massage room, there was this funny little thing called a steam tank. And I don't know if you've ever seen them, but you, you sit inside the steam tank, which is when you sit on a stool, they uh, have steam come into the little box and your head pokes out of the top of the box. It's only just big enough to sit in. And they close the lid around you, except for your head, and then clip it closed. So we start off, I go into the steam tank, have a nice steam. She walks around, gets the massage thing ready on the floor. I come out all sweaty, 
towel off um, and start a process of massage. And the process of massage, of course, went down the trail of all sorts of things that I hadn't at first visualized happening, but was happy to engage in. And uh, it ended up uh, with the invitation to be intimate, uh, which at the time and given the circumstances and given that it was a long time ago before Jesus was born, I decided to participate in quite willingly as long as there was a condom, which there was. Out of her bag, she pulls a condom and the, the event took place. I then went back into the steam tank and was sitting there uh, happily basking away in the the celebration of this particular event when I noticed something that I'll never forget and that was she picked up the condom off the floor that was now being used she walked over to the cold water tap she rinsed it washed it out cleaned it up rolled it back up and put it back in the packet yes <laughs> yes inconceivable uh, situation I am now a participant in a shared condom and God knows she washed it out with cold water God knows uh, who or what had been around that thing before I got involved in it so at this point I start panicking and if I wasn't sweating in the sweat tank before I saw this I guarantee you I was sweating in the sweat tank after I saw this I asked her to release the, the, uh, the uh, clips. I stepped out and I had a glass of whiskey. I poured it all over downstairs to, uh, I don't know, I thought alcohol might sterilize things um, and then proceeded into a state of anxiety and worry that lasted 10 days because that's how long it takes to witness whether you've caught some sexually transmitted disease and for 10 days I worried 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 it wasn't a funny story until after 10 days when nothing had happened and I was safe so the moral of this story <laughs> well firstly there is no moral in the story because it's not a very moral thing to have engaged in and I uh, put my hand up and say there was a period in my life before I became Chris the guru where I was Chris not the guru and uh, and I learnt a lot of lessons this is just one of a million of them that I've shared so here's the moral of the story and it's a good one when I work with people who are in a state of challenge or desperation, they are incredibly open to navel-gazing or to self-reflection because there's a perception that there's an opportunity to get out of this uh, struggle and terrible uh, uh, pain or anxiety or whatever it is that they're in and they are willing to do the work. But typically it happens when people get out of uh, that suffering or struggle or pain, 
they, all the disciplines that got them to a good place become hard to manage. For example, if I meet somebody who's got an alcohol addiction and we do some work and then they get rid of the alcohol addiction and they start living life really good, as soon as life gets really good, they start drinking alcohol, which leads back to an alcohol addiction and they lead back into the trap. So I was talking yesterday to someone who uh, asked me for, some, for a one-off coaching. So we did a, a three-hour session and I remember two years ago working with that same person and the topic of the conversation was their vision of the future. Now at the time, three years ago, it was very wise of that individual to come and seek me out, but I'd known them for a long time because when they were in, abundant, in an abundant, good, healthy, happy place, they created a vision which was spectacular. And it was very clear because they weren't coming from a reaction to pain. They weren't coming from uh, trying to seek pleasure in a painful place. They were coming from an abundant place where things were going really well, business was growing, uh, health was good, life was good. And so there was no compelling uh, pain or suffering that was driving them to create a vision. Therefore, the vision can be considered to be absolutely authentic. Because when we're in an abundant space, successful space, success breeds success, happiness breeds happiness, and that's, that's the way it's meant to be. However, if we get into a place of suffering and struggle, whatever vision quest we create is an escape from the struggle. And that's not really a vision, is it? That's, that's exactly what it is, an escape from struggle. So I was talking to this person yesterday and they said to me, oh, this is, this is what I plan to do, what do you think? And I said, well, what happened to the vision two years ago? Oh, well, uh, I've got these opportunities and, and what has happened to the vision from two years ago? It's really, 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 really interesting to find out. And that is the place from which they wrote the vision had disappeared. They, uh, their business had had to close because of certain um, uh, circumstances beyond their control. It wasn't a, uh, you know, they were working out of a facility that was going to be dismantled. So A, they had to close and they had to find another uh, 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 environment to do their work in and that work requires an environment. And so they couldn't, they haven't been able to find one. And so a year has passed and they haven't been able to really do the work they were doing two years ago. Uh, and so what's happening is bit by bit that person is starting to struggle with their vision. And as they struggle with their vision, their vision struggles with them. And instead of holding their vision strong and saying, I built this vision in a truthful place, I was in a non threatened, uh, non-painful, non-suffering. I was in an abundant space and I built a vision. Instead of that, this person's going, well, given that now I'm struggling, given now I'm suffering, given now I'm not, now not exactly where I wanted to be, and given now that I'm not a, abundant, I'm gonna create little visions and compromise. Now, this has to happen. Sometimes uh, CEOs of companies end up driving Ubers because they have to pay the rent 
but the vision itself must not be forgotten. And what I spent the day doing yesterday was reminding this person of the vision that they wrote two years ago. And this is a very important role as a coach, is to realize that uh, one of the responsibilities I have is to be help people be accountable for the visions that they really, really have prior to some uh, event taking place that puts them in a little bit of discomfort. I, for example, have had a sore foot for the, for the last week and if I had a vision of going back to Nepal and of looking at this foot thinking, this is permanent, this is suffering, I might start to think about uh, 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 giving up that, that vision. And that's a very trivial example of something that can be quite uh, huge and quite threatening, such as a, a, a cancer scare or a, uh, or a, a, you know, a, a heart problem or even a relationship problem or a family problem where you go, uh, geez, I wrote a vision in a time when the family was going really well or the family was not going really well. I wrote a vision in a time of authenticity and now uh, I'm under struggle, I'm in pain, I have a different vision. Now, this is exactly what happened to me with the condom story. Uh, I was happy as Larry and I was getting a massage and doing all the things that I do and suddenly uh, I, I plummeted from an abundant situation to a fearful situation and for the next 10 days I lived in a world of uncertainty and that uncertainty is definitely toxic. It, 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 it would have affected all the clients that I dealt with, it would have affected my home because I was in communication with back into my home life, my family, my different people, it, I, it would have affected everybody and so the ability to get stay abundant even though shit's happening became a very important thing for me and I think it's these days you could say you could take my legs off and I wouldn't change my vision you could take uh, every all my money away and I wouldn't change my vision I know that that vision now is set in stone it's chipped into the side of the pyramids now I know that visions morph and therefore they get bigger and they get better and so chipping it into the side of a pyramid needs to be done carefully so that it's in concept rather, in, rather than in specific detail. For example, I might say I want to be a global uh, professional speaker and then suddenly break my back as I did seven years ago and have to have three spine surgeries through a period of years of fairly significant challenge to be able to be mobile around the world and have to not be a professional speaker in the language of uh, what I originally had thought, which is flying in aeroplanes, as I had done for the previous uh, 15 years, all over the world and speaking in engagements. I had to shift it to being a professional speaker on podcasts and, and uh, CDs and all sorts of things that we don't use anymore. So I just changed the concept of professional speaker. But chipped in stone on the wall of the pyramids was, I will change the world. I will be a professional speaker. And that has never changed. Not one single thing of it. How I do it may have to morph. And so holding on to the chipped in stone, holding on to that in the good times and the bad times, I had another client say to me in a really tough time, help me, help me, help me. So I said, okay, I can help you. Let's, we have to do some, what's called uh, self-reflection and deep work. When things became really good, the client said to me, I don't want to do any more of that navel gazing anymore. And I said to them, do you know what 
the reason you are doing so good now, you know what the reason is? And they go, no, I, and they said, yeah, because I'm really clever and look what I did and all that and I got a vision and here it is. I said, no, it's because you did navel gazing. So it's very important in the good times and the bad times. We say the words practice between performances. And what we mean by that is if you, if you do your self-talk exercises on paper every morning, if you do your self-reflection, if you spend some time uh, uh, listening to the podcasts and being inspired by life and getting out in nature, and you do those things in the good times, that is practicing between performances because in the bad times, that's when you need them most. It's not a matter of saying, I don't want to do any navel gazing because you know I'm really ha ha happy or I want to compromise my vision because things have changed. No, you set your vision, you chip it in stone and you say, I will be something, I will do something, I will have something, you chip it in stone. You absolutely have to morph through the process of how because that's the creative spirit of a human being. However, you don't change the what. I am a professional speaker. I'm here being paid to talk to you all right now on a podcast. Okay, it isn't the original picture or the, or the imagination of how it would happen. Why? Because I broke my back, COVID came, blah, blah, blah. I'm standing on a beach in Bondi. Am I doing it? Yes, I am. Uh, is it the way I thought I'd be doing it? No, it's not. Is it as good as the way I thought I'd be doing it? Yes, it is. Nothing's ever missing, just changes in form. There's two sides to everything. Traveling around the world in an aeroplane, like I was for 15 years, um, makes people very ill. And not traveling around the world in the aeroplane prolongs my life. So that's uh, it for the day. Uh, great story, good condom story. Uh, I hope it's memorable and you get the gist of the fact that uh, who we are in an abundant period of time sets the st standard for who we need to be in a tough time. We don't go down with a sinking ship. There's no value in a leader or a captain or a parent or a partner going down with somebody else's misery. There's no value. Two sad people don't make a happy one. Two stressed people don't make a calm one. One person in the world has to stand up and say, nothing's gonna affect my state of mind. Nothing's gonna affect it. And instead of reacting to the situation in the condom story, I could have just said, well, c'est vie, nothing's ever missing, just changes in form, this is my challenge, it's all good, and, and stayed good for my clients and stayed good for myself and stayed good for the people around me. The person who uh, did their vision and compromised it and started talking to me about what they need to do to rescue themselves from this situation they've got in because they can't find a new premise to run their business from, uh, uh, needs to hold their vision and say nothing's ever missing, it can change in form. Maybe they can find a different form of the same vision. If we let go our vision, we close our heart. And that is the danger of a demanding bullying relationship that it can force us to compromise and close our own heart to our own vision because we can't do that thing because the person we're with doesn't want to do it or doesn't like it or doesn't feel comfortable with it or can't do it with us. All of this becomes very important for you because the leader's job in the, in the world is to hold a vision. That's what people are being led by, your vision. And if your vision is just repair and damage and goes up and down, uh, fluctuates with your emotions, 
It's not a vision, it's a fantasy. This is Chris, you have a beautiful day. Bye for now.